when I when I feel like um, or when I see the initiative, you know, from uh, professors, especially you know at, at the university level, um, and then of course uh, Mount Royal is um, wanting to indigenize you know, and incorporate, you know, that relation, build that relationship. And, that, and that's really, really, you know, I'm really happy to see that, you know, and I think that if we have like more guests or even open that conversation and continue having that con conversation going within the, within the classrooms, I think that will, you know, be a good icebreaker, you know, um, you know, before it was normalized for us, for because I'm a uh, I'm a residential school survivor. I've lived in the residential schools, so I thought it was normal back then, not to be heard, and to be silent. For much of the time, it was uh, very I I normalized the fact that discrimination was a part of my life. So when I got to you know university, when we started opening the conversation, when I started hearing, hey people, you know we we have our voice, we're getting our voices back. That's a clip that comes from this episode's guest, Grace Heavyrunner. In this edition, we're going to be talking about land acknowledgements as a form of reconciliation. This podcast is coming to you from Mount Royal University, which is located on the traditional territories of the Nitsitapi Blackfoot and the people of Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Siksika, the Pikani, the Kainai, the Sutina, and the Ihahe Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation. Hi, and welcome to Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible a podcast series produced for CMRU.ca and the Community Podcast Initiative at Mount Royal University. The Community Podcast Initiative is powered by Shaw. My name is Ty Raymond. I'm a broadcast media studies student in the Bachelor of Communications. In this episode, we examine land acknowledgement, a declaration that recognizes and respects Indigenous peoples as traditional custodians of this land. But first, what is land acknowledgement? A land acknowledgement is a formal statement that addresses that the land in use is a part of historical indigenous territories. You would have heard our own land acknowledgement at the beginning of this episode. A good land acknowledgement is specific, including details such as which nation the land belongs to, how it was colonized by Canada, and always stays in the present tense. For example, this is Blackfoot land, as opposed to this was Blackfoot land. This is an example of a land acknowledgement from the University of Minnesota Duluth, although it is American and uses terms that are not necessarily accepted in Canada. We collectively acknowledge that the University of Minnesota Duluth is located on the traditional, ancestral, and contemporary lands of Indigenous people. The university resides on land that was cared for and called home by the Ojibwe people, before them the Dakota and North Cheyenne people, and other native peoples from time immemorial. Ceded by the Ojibwe in an 1854 treaty, this land holds great historical, spiritual, and personal significance for its original stewards, 
the native nations and peoples of this region. We want to address the genuine meaning of these acknowledgments and discuss whether they carry a heavy meaning or if they just serve as a superficial tool to do the bare minimum in reconciliation attempts. Land acknowledgments are a contemporary reconciliation practice that allows people to acknowledge the effects of colonization while also highlighting current day issues, such as ongoing land disputes. However, at the end of the day, they simply are just words that can easily be said without consideration from mainstream society. We'll get a complete understanding of land acknowledgement from our guest today. Grace Heavyrunner is a residential school survivor. She's also the host of the CJSW podcasts, Indigenization Across the Nation, and Treaty Nation Music. She's also a journalism student at Mount Royal University. She brings a unique and important viewpoint to this conversation. The act of performing land acknowledgement is a basic step towards reconciliation between indigenous peoples and settlers. The fact that it's a basic step can be problematic. We asked Grace Heavyrunner about her thoughts on land acknowledgements. So uh, how do you feel uh, or uh, what do you feel is the importance of indigenous land acknowledgements in Canada and how does it contribute to reconciliation? Um, you know what, for me, it is very, very important. I am First Nations uh, from Treaty 7 territory. Uh, I am Blackfoot I'm from, from the Blood Reserve. That's Ghana Nation. So uh, yes, um, I think it's a really important, uh, you know, it, it's really important to, to have that recognition, you know, to, to be, to be on uh, territories all across Canada. While the use of land acknowledgements is growing, not everyone seems to agree with the practice. The provincial government of New Brunswick recently banned their use by public officials. According to a global news story from the fall, it's another fight over colonization. But the words unceded or unsurrendered are suddenly a no-no in New Brunswick according to a memo from the provincial government to thousands of public servants. The province and the government of Canada are being sued by six First Nations communities, claiming more than half of New Brunswick's landmass belongs to them. The provincial government says it's acting strictly from a legal position. The provincial government of New Brunswick has recently eased off this position due to legal reasons, but Grace Heavyrunner feels this just isn't good enough. And acknowledgements again. Um, do you think that there should be more accountability or repercussions for government officials who uh, refuse to give land acknowledgements during events? I, you know what, I, I, I feel like um, there has to be a push, definitely, you know, um, uh, why, why, why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you pay respects to the territories you're on, you know, um, and it's also, uh, the, and then it comes to an understanding and on a level on where, you know, where, where we begin, you know, where we begin to, you know, like I said, um, build this uh, relationship, you know, between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. So I, I feel like there, there should be um, a repercussion or you know, there's something that has to be, you know, said or done um, if the government, Canadian government, 
uh, especially with New Brunswick, New Brunswick um, not wanting to do, not wanting to acknowledge that, you know. I mean, of course, I think there there should be some there there should be, of course, uh, some repercussion, in my opinion. In some ways, it's surprising that a provincial government would have such poor consideration and respect for the First Peoples. The recent events in New Brunswick demonstrate the clear resentment and negative feelings from the government towards Indigenous peoples. Grace has further opinions about the potential ripple effect stemming from the events in New Brunswick. Especially with the uh, New Brunswick new policies, do you think that might have a, a ripple effect for efforts and reconciliation across the country? Oh, definitely it will. You know, I have, you know, I have First Nations here in Blackfoot Territory, you know, going up to, you know, where the gas, gas, um, where the pipelines are, are happening, the gas, the gas leak, defending, helping defend uh, what's uh territory, you know, so it, it is, it, it's really concerning, actually, you know, and um, I don't, I don't, like, I, I'm speaking for myself, and I can't speak for for other indigenous peoples across Canada, but of course it's gonna, you know, it has it has uh, has affected it has affected me right away when I when I heard about it. So, Turpel Lafond, a law professor at University of British Columbia, said that the ban on land acknowledgments isn't actually a legal necessity, and that it will also have negative effects on reconciliation in New Brunswick. However, at the end of the day, do these land acknowledgments really matter? Shanna Dion, Assistant Dean of First Nations, Métis, and Inuit students at the University of Alberta, certainly seems to think so. Here she is talking to APTN. I think, it's, I think it could go both ways, right? When, when we think of things like this, our hope and intention is that, that it's not just white noise, that people are paying attention to what, we're, what is being said. And I think for the most part, from what I've seen, and from when I've uh, been able to be a part of conversations is people do want to know more. When they hear those words, mm -hmm. they ask, how do I find out more about that? Well, I think that's the best part of this conversation is that people are opening up not only their minds, but their hearts and wanting to learn more. The understanding of this concept is eliminating the erasure of Indigenous history, as well as honoring the truth and holding those responsible accountable. Land acknowledgements are a crucial step, but they need to be built on. Grace Heavyrunner explains what she feels should come next. Well, what do you think the government can do just beyond these uh, uh, Indigenous land acknowledgements that they're not already doing to uh, encourage the general public to inform themselves about reconciliation? I think there should be more action, you know, again, um, you know, are we going to just start continue to see, you know, lip service, you know, um, but they're, you know, and then no action again, like with apologies, you know, so, you know, um, I would actually like to see, see more on, on trying to build, especially when we're talking about reconciliation. And, and I think reconciliation um, should be implemented out across the board, you know, with education, uh, with our youth, you know, so, um, you know, we have to start breaking down these barriers. Um, and who does it, who does that follow on? Who does that follow upon? You know, 
I can do my part, but with ind non-Indigenous people, I think they should do their part as well. You know, so, it, you know, we have to meet each other halfway, you know, um, and then not just have us doing all the work, you know, for it. You know, Indigenous people should not just be doing all the work. I think there should be a partnership. I should, I, I believe that there should be a relationship being strongly built if we are going to break down, down those barriers when we're talking about racism, discrimination. It's understandable why there's so much disappointment around the ban in New Brunswick. If the government refuses to take even this small step, it doesn't bode well for future reconciliation efforts in the province. Over and over again, uh, First Nations or, and all Indigenous peoples across Canada have, very, have been slapped across the face many times, you know, with, um, you know, you have these apologies, uh, they are, um, you know, it's all lip service, you know, and where's the action behind that? So we talk about reconciliation. Well, where do we begin? You know, uh, we have to have that truth first come out, you know, um, it is a historical fact that um, especially in New, New Brunswick um, with with Stu, uh, with Tuison, I, I can't, and I'm not sure if, I, if I'm saying the words uh, correctly. With Tuiton territory, with the gas leak pipelines, that's like right now. It's it's, it's huge. You know, um, they're they're trying to protect their their land, and um, I feel I feel really bad about what's happening right now at this time. Overall, the use of land acknowledgements in Canada is certainly a topic that's worth taking into consideration. It may be a simple method for mainstream Canadian society to participate in reconciliation attempts, but there is definite value behind it. At the very least, it gives some needed attention to reconciliation. The Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible, is produced by the students of Mount Royal University's Broadcast Media Studies program. This episode was put together by Jesse Penner, Ty Raymond, Evan Wood, Liam Daw, Jagan Jenkins, Ryan Adams, and Aol Deng. Our series production team is Samantha Jolin, Wyatt Patterson, Liam Daw, Dawson Bainbridge, Braden Cordero, and Adam Bukasel. Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible, is a production of CMRU.ca and the Community Podcast Initiative at Mount Royal University. The Community Podcast Initiative is powered by Shaw. I'm Ty Raymond. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.